The case information provided during this program includes details of violent criminal acts and may upset, shock, and offend some listeners. Any named suspects should be considered innocent unless proven guilty in a court of law. The story I'm going to tell you today is a story of heroism. It is representative of the bravery and sacrifice I've seen in the actions of so many of the talented officers I've worked with. The straight, real, and raw cases of officers working the streets are not shared often enough. This incident illustrates how quickly an unsuspecting police call for service can turn deadly. This is the story of the line of duty murder of Corporal Matthew Edwards. You will see how his family used the pain of his murder to show how love and forgiveness can overcome hate. This is True Crime Takedown, and I am your host, Troy Daniels. Corporal Matthew Edwards was born to David and Sue Edwards in Champaign, Illinois, while David Edwards was my youth pastor. Chaplain Dave Edwards and his wife Sue played extremely important roles in my life growing up. They were a young couple and made our church group a lot of fun. They helped teach me many important lessons that I've used throughout my life. I got to see their two young sons, Michael, their oldest, and Matthew from being around church. I was able to catch up with my old friend, Chaplain Dave Edwards, and I asked him about the start of his son Matthew's life. Matt was born in Champaign, Illinois, when we were there as uh, youth pastors in the church there at Bible Baptist. And he actually went through some difficulty when he was born. He was born premature, had some health problems, had to have, uh, for an infant, a fairly major surgery, especially back in those days with some issues that he had going on. And we were pretty tender-hearted during those early years of his life toward accepting the fact that here's a here's a child who is in God's hands. Uh, here's a child who may or may not live to see his first birthday. And yet we had to surrender to, to the will of God and say, God, this child belongs to you. How for however long you loan him to us, you know, we want to be the best parents that we can be. We want to be the, the the greatest influence for good in his life that we can possibly be. But whenever you uh, see fit uh, to take him from us, we're going to be okay with that. Fortunately, Matthew did survive and grew up. I asked Chaplain Edwards what kind of a young man Matt was. He was goofy. <laughs> uh, he... Uh, he he was he was so dry uh his his sense of humor i remember one day he came home from school when he was a freshman in high school and we were concerned because he was he was a bit introverted and and uh, we were a bit concerned how he was going to fit in uh in high school so uh he came home one day and this is this is like a stupid dad joke uh kind of thing but he came home one day and, and I asked him how it was going and if he was and if he was making any new friends and you know that kind of thing. And he said, Dad, they made me president of the procrastinators club. 
We haven't actually scheduled any meetings yet, though. <laughs> so, so just just that goofy kind of uh, sense of humor uh, that he had. Good timing with it, uh, usually, though. But he was um, he was a, a star athlete in in high school in uh, both soccer uh, and in swimming and diving. He was actually offered a scholarship to Wayne State University uh, for swimming and diving, and he turned it down so that he could go to uh, a local Bible college in the area because he wanted to get a degree in something that would help him better be better able to minister uh, to the needs of people. He didn't necessarily think that he was ever going to be a pastor, but I knew he was going to do something to serve people. When he had his driver's license, he would drop my wife off at the church, and uh, she had been paralyzed in a car accident when, when she was only 26 years old. Matt was only three years old at the time. Uh, so she she always had a, a van with a wheelchair lift. And so I would always go to the church early on Sunday mornings and be preparing for church services and so on. Matt would bring my wife, drop her off at the church, and then he would take her van and go to a senior apartment building not far from the church because there were three ladies there that needed rides to church and Matt would be the one to always go pick them up for church and they just they fell in love uh with him you know because he would he would be willing to do that and treat him treat them so uh so kindly you know and uh you know one of them was in a wheelchair so she got to ride up on the wheelchair lift and he knew all about how to work that and uh you know he would help them up into the into the van on the steps or you know whatever i mean they just they loved it but that's the kind of kid that he that he was he just he would give and he would serve. After college, Matt started working as private security, which exposed him to his first opportunities to enforce laws. He got uh, he got a job in loss prevention at Meyer, and of course he he had the opportunity uh, to interact with law enforcement quite a bit <laughs> in that job because of right. uh, shoplifting and and so on that uh, you know you'd catch people and. Uh, and and his older brother Mike was also doing the same thing, and uh, so so Matt worked his way up, uh, eventually became um, a team leader in loss prevention in Meyer, and then actually took a promotion as a team leader for another one of the departments in the store. He ended up uh, getting transferred to a store and becoming assistant store manager uh, for one of the Meyer stores here locally, and then. He just decided one day that he was ready to go to the police academy, and he, you know, he got he got hired in in the Detroit Police Department for way less than he was making as an assistant store manager at Meyer, as you can imagine, and decided that's what he was going to do. So, got hired in at Detroit. They put him through their academy, and he worked in Detroit for about two and a half years, and then was hired in uh, in the city of Taylor, which is our hometown, that's where my wife and I grew up and graduated from high school, and and uh, we had lived there as a family as well. And so, you know, he thought, you know, if he had an opportunity to go back to his hometown, probably be a little safer than Detroit and, you know, that, that sort of thing. 
So Matt started working at the Taylor, Michigan Police Department in January 2005. While he was there, he was named the 2008 Michigan Officer of the Year. Matt was later promoted to Corporal. So Corporal Matt Edwards had been working as a police officer for about six years when he was dispatched to the call that would have a profound impact on him, his family, his department, his community, and even officers around the world. All units, 6845 is requesting additional units and a supervisor. It was the early morning of July 23rd, 2010. Corporal Edwards was riding with Corporal Gregory Pache when they were dispatched to a police call for service, which initially was described as a burglary in progress at the Copper Tree apartment complex on Pine Street. Greg and Matt were working an overnight shift, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. It was getting close to six in the morning. Usually about that time, they would be gassing up the car, you know, finishing up reports, getting ready to go in for shift change and, and that sort of thing. But at about 10 minutes to six, they uh, received this call of of this uh, burglary or breaking and entering in, in progress. They'd gotten a couple of calls from this apartment building. There was just enough light, I guess, at, at that time of the morning for people to be able to give a bit of a description of the person that it looked like was trying to break into uh, a ground floor apartment. And they pulled up. As I understand it, uh, Greg was driving, Matt was on the passenger side. And uh, when they drove up, they saw a man matching that description standing by a van in the parking lot across from the address of the apartment that was supposedly being broken into. So they approached and were having a conversation with him. And his story was that he and his wife had had an argument and he left the apartment. When he got outside, he realized that he didn't have his keys to get in his van. He was just going to leave. And so she would not let him back into the apartment. And so he was trying to just get back in through the living room window so that he could get his keys and leave. That was his story. Turns out that it wasn't really a true story, but that was that was the story. So Greg says to Matt, all right, I'm going to go up to the apartment and get the get the wife's side of the story. And ask Matt, are you OK here? Matt says, yeah, I'm good. Go ahead. So Greg gets a few steps away and here's gunfire. Witnesses described the subject later learned to be Tyrus Matthews in the parking lot carrying a book bag. Corporal Edwards directed Tyrus to put the bag down. As he was setting the bag down, Tyrus pulled a handgun from inside the bag and raised it sideways over Corporal Edwards' head and shot him at close range. As Corporal Pache turned back, he saw Corporal Edwards down on the ground with Tyrus standing over him, still repeatedly shooting Corporal Edwards. Tyrus started to run away and Corporal Pache pulled his weapon and started chasing. As he was running, Tyrus turned towards Corporal Pache and was firing at him. Witnesses describe Corporal Pache returning fire while yelling at Tyrus about 30 different times to drop his weapon during the running gun battle in which approximately two dozen rounds were fired. He chased this subject around a couple of different sets of apartment buildings until he finally went down. If I remember correctly, how many magazine changes and, and so on. Their service weapons were Glock 22s, 40 caliber. So he had 
15 rounds and one already in the chamber. So he, he fired 16 rounds, did a magazine change, emptied that magazine, did another magazine change, and fired nine more rounds. So the individual finally went down. He's laying in the parking lot. Greg is standing over him. Uh, there are witnesses looking out the windows of their apartments, uh, of course, because of all the commotion. Um, this individual, uh, his his gun was still in his hand, but his, but the slide was locked back, so it was obviously empty. Uh, looks up at Greg and says, just effing kill me, which obviously Greg didn't do. Uh, took him into custody. He required a lot of medical attention because he had uh, been uh, struck by several rounds. but. Uh, uh, they transported him to the hospital. Corporal Edwards had been shot six times and was also transported to the same hospital as Tyrus. Unfortunately, Corporal Edwards died from his wounds. Soon after it happened, Corporal Edwards' wife, Shannon, received a visit at her door that all law enforcement spouses fear will happen to them. She learned that her husband and the father of their two children had been killed in the line of duty. Right after it happened, the uh, the chief contacted the pastor of Matt's church. And so the chief and a couple of other officers and Matt's pastor went and uh, knocked on the door uh, at Matt's house. And obviously when his wife opened the door, she knew exactly uh, why they were there. Matt's older brother, Michael Edwards, was also a police officer at a nearby jurisdiction and he had just reported to duty. He walked into briefing and learned an officer had been shot earlier that morning in the city of Taylor. He knew that he could learn more about the shooting from his brother, Matt, by using his in-car computer in the squad car, since his police department and Matt's police department shared the same system and could communicate with each other. They had announced in his roll call that day that a Taylor officer had been shot and that his condition was unknown. I don't think Mike even imagined that it could have been his brother. So he logged into his computer in his car and sent Matt a message. And there was obviously no response. Mike started messaging other people in the department, wasn't getting any response. And he chalked that up to, well, they're obviously all busy working this this uh, scene. so. I'll just wait, you know, to hear from somebody. And meanwhile, he got dispatched to a couple of different calls. Things went on for probably 30 or 40 minutes that, you know, from the start of his shift, he still hadn't heard anything from anybody. So he tried calling a friend who happened to be a, a sergeant at the time and uh, tried calling and he didn't answer. So at about quarter till eight, that morning, the sergeant called Mike. Mike said, "Hey, I was just trying to get a hold of somebody to find out how how your officer and Taylor is is doing. That you know, we heard he was you know we had somebody shot, and um, and the sergeant said, well, he didn't make it. And Mike says, is it anybody I know? And the sergeant said, Mike, it's your brother." Taylor Police Department already had two detectives en route to tell Officer Mike Edwards that his brother Matt had been killed in the line of duty. 
Taylor police also had officers heading to his father's house, Chaplain Dave Edwards as well. Mike asked them to turn around because he wanted to be the one to tell his family. Mike called and spoke with his dad and told him that Matt had been shot and killed on duty that morning. When Chaplain Edwards got that call, he was already up and making breakfast for his wife, Sue, Matt's mother. Chaplain Edwards had been in the ministry for many years at this point, and dealing with the death of other people's loved ones was part of the difficult duties of being a pastor. However, Chaplain Edwards knew the next message he had to deliver was going to be one of the most difficult and heart-wrenching he ever had to speak. He was going to have to tell Matt's mother that her baby boy had been killed in the line of duty. So then I had to make my way up the stairs after I kind of pulled myself together for a couple of minutes. Uh, Sue was still up in the bedroom and I made my way up there and sat down on the edge of the bed and, and told her uh, what had happened. After Chaplain Edwards spent some time with his wife, Sue, he left the house to connect with his son, Mike. I took off and I met Mike uh, outside of Matt's house. And, um, and then we went from there to the hospital. We were going to be given an opportunity to spend a couple of minutes uh, with Matt before the medical examiner's van got to the hospital to take him downtown because he was obviously going to have to have an autopsy and, you know, all of that. So, so we went from, from Matt's house together to the hospital uh, to spend a few minutes in the room with Matt before, before they came to take him. Chaplain Edwards and his son, Officer Mike Edwards, then drove to the hospital to see Matt's body. Upon arrival, they were greeted by officers securing the entrance to the hospital. The hospital was in Dearborn, Michigan. There were two Dearborn police officers that were stationed at the entrance um, along the driveway to the emergency room. Uh, so we were stopped and they wanted to, to make sure that we were cleared to go in because they weren't letting anybody in. Any other, any other emergency uh, runs that morning uh, were being diverted to other hospitals. They were locking that, that down there. Um, they allowed us in. We parked. We went. We were greeted by more Dearborn police officers who were securing the, the emergency room, and then we were led back to a private waiting room. I looked over to my right, and there was a detective. He, he was new in the detective bureau but he was sitting against one of the walls in the in this little waiting room and uh he had uh, two large brown paper sacks uh sitting on the floor next to him uh at one point a nurse poked her head through the door and and motioned for him to come talk to her and as he got up he 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 looked toward those sacks and was hesitant to even walk away from them uh, to leave them unsecured. I, I sort of instinctively knew that, you know, inside those sacks was probably Matt's clothes, Matt's duty belt, and, you know, all of those things that were going to be uh, taken into evidence uh, as they were going to be preparing to build a case against the person who had shot him. Chaplain Edwards and Officer Mike Edwards were led to the room where their son and brother lie. The floor above them was the surgical suite, where the subject who murdered Corporal Edwards was in surgery and getting his life saved.
There were thousands of officers and people who attended Corporal Edwards' funeral. Chaplain Edwards and his wife, Sue, were able to talk with many who had interacted with their son while he was serving as an officer. There's a lot about his his work as a police officer that I never found out until after he was gone and talking to a lot of his colleagues and uh, learning some things about him or, or listening to uh, people tell stories uh, at the uh, at the funeral home when they would uh, come up to me and my wife and and have you know something to share about their experience with Matt. You know, one uh, one person said that Matt used to always stop by their house uh, and they had a they had an adult child who uh, was developmentally disabled and uh, this this husband and his wife were full-time caregivers for this developmentally disabled adult child and this this father said that one of the things that impressed him the most about Matt is that he would stop by their house you know on a on a summer day um, you know much like we're experiencing here in Detroit today we have a little sunshine and going to have some warm weather and you know pleasant day and on a day like that you know um, mom and dad and their adult son would be out in the front yard of the house and Matt would stop by pull his pull his car in the driveway and and say to mom and dad why don't you guys go do something for a while and I'll just sit here and keep him some company for a little while while you guys just go enjoy yourselves for a little bit wow you know, that speaks uh, a lot. It, yeah. it really does. It does. Or, um, you know, a nurse from the emergency room in the hospital in, in town where they would always uh, take arrestees if they needed medical attention. And, and um, this nurse said that what impressed her the most about Matt as a cop was how respectfully he treated those that he had in custody, that he treated them not like you know just a a common criminal if you want to uh, use that term or whatever but he he really treated them as people that were deserving of respect and his his attitude as a police officer was i i need to give respect in order to to receive it and he treated people in a way that that he uh earned earned their respect. And, you know, those are the kind of stories that we heard about what, you know, some of the things that he would do as a police officer. The trial for Tyrus Matthews, who killed Corporal Matthew Edwards, began in October 2011. Tyrus had recovered from the multiple gunshot wounds inflicted on him in the gun battle with Corporal Pache. The trial lasted for about three weeks. During testimony, Corporal Pache cried on the stand while he described hearing the first gunshot and then turning around to see Tyrus continuing to fire rounds into Corporal Edwards as he lay on the ground. After hearing all of the testimony and reviewing the evidence, the jury came back with guilty verdicts against Tyrus Matthews for first-degree murder and murder of a peace officer. At the time, the News Herald reporters Renee Sizio and David Comer reported on this murder and the subsequent sentencing. It was reported that Tyrus was no stranger to the criminal justice system. He had been in and out of prison multiple times, starting at age 16 for armed robbery, 
multiple counts of assault with intent to murder, larceny, and fleeing from police. The last time he was released from prison on parole was September of 2009. However, he was supposed to be locked up until May 31st, 2011. Had Tyrus served his entire prison sentence, he would have still been locked up and unable to murder Corporal Edwards. Tyrus showed no remorse at all during the proceedings. In fact, he acted as though he was proud of this senseless crime. This makes the fact that Chaplain Edwards was able to forgive the convicted killer even more remarkable. At the sentencing of, of the man who killed my son, I stood in the courtroom and read my victim impact statement, and it was a statement of forgiveness um, because I don't want to be weighed down uh, with that with that bitterness. Um, I I forgave him not because I thought that he would accept it. He certainly didn't ask for it, uh, but because I knew that I couldn't carry that that weight around with me and do anything good or productive going forward with my life. I just I just had to let that go. On November 28, 2011, Tyrus Matthews was sentenced by a judge to spend two life terms in prison. He will never see the outside again. As I watched the video of Tyrus being led out of the courtroom, I felt for Tyrus Matthews' family, but I remembered that the pain they were experiencing was brought on by his actions alone. I don't know that they that they fully grasped the pain that we were experiencing uh, because yeah, you know their their son is in in prison and he's never going to get out again. Uh, but they can still call him. They can still visit him. Uh, we can't. Uh, although uh, in eternity, I have. Uh, every confidence that uh, we will see Matt again. And uh, that brings us an immense amount of comfort, of course. You can hear the strong faith in Chaplain Edwards' words. I need to briefly take you back to the room in the hospital where the body of Corporal Edwards was at. After Chaplain Edwards and Officer Mike Edwards spent some time with their son and brother, they walked out of that room. And that is the moment that Chaplain Edwards felt led to spend the rest of his life helping police officers. When we came out of the room, one of the lieutenants uh, come up, put his arm around me, and he said, "Mr. Edwards, I just want you to know that uh, uh, that you're part of our family now, and you know we want to we want to help you guys get through this." And um, not, I'm not sure where this response came from, and I. I other than I can say it probably came from the Lord. Um, my response to him was, you know, you all are, uh, are Matt's family too. And we're going to get through this together. So, um, so we did. I mean, you know, that was the beginning of, uh, of a relationship uh, between our family and the department that is... Uh, that is still a, uh, a solid relationship today. A few months later, I uh, came on as the uh, lead chaplain for the department and have been doing that for the last nine years and became a reserve officer with the department. So uh, I, I, I spend a lot of time around those guys. 
and you know there there's been a lot of turnover in in Matt's department over the last 10 years too uh older guys retiring and newer guys coming in and it's like God is giving me the opportunity to to be there to carry on his name in the department and to be able to um uh, help these younger guys coming in uh not just know hey <clears throat> you know this is this is the guy who's who's whose badge you know is hanging on the wall here uh or the guy who uh you know his badge number uh, was put on the back of a Detroit Tigers jersey that they donated to the department, and we've got that framed and hanging in the department. It's like, you know, I have the opportunity to to talk to those guys about who Matt is or was as a as a person versus just a badge number that they try to remember. So they didn't just stop there in helping cops, their families, and their community. Officer Mike Edwards ended up writing an article on what it was like losing his brother in the line of duty and how he constantly tried to learn from that tragic event to make him a better person and cop. In December of 2014, Elizabeth Ogden, the wife of an Amarillo police officer, wrote a piece called Gear Officer, I See You, after New York officers Ramos and Lou were ambushed and killed. By the next day, her piece had been shared over 600,000 times on social media. Officer Mike Edwards teamed up with Elizabeth Ogden and created the group Humanizing the Badge. The primary goal of this group is to forge stronger relationships between law enforcement officers and the communities they serve. Well, I think that's the catalyst for the Humanizing the Badge organization was the fact that it is possible to uh, come out of a tragic set of circumstances with uh, an attitude that things can be better and that if we want to see positive change happen then we have to actually take action we have to be uh, involved if if we want um, if we want police officers to have a better understanding of the community in which they serve and if we want the community members to have an understanding of what police officers do and what their experiences are like and and why they conduct themselves in certain situations the way that they do then then that takes work and that takes dialogue and and uh, so humanizing the badge you know as an organization uh, sort of came as an outgrowth of that desire to uh, not not take sides and say well you know my son was a cop and he was murdered so um I'm just I'm going to stand with the police no matter what, and I'm just going to hate everybody else. Later, Chaplain Edwards joined Humanizing the Badge as its president and chief operating officer. Mike Edwards, in social media circles known as Mike the Cop, still works with their group. Humanizing the Badge now has over 333,000 followers on Facebook. This group is impacting cops and their communities throughout the United States and around the world. It is appropriate when talking about humanizing the badge to mention the contribution of Lieutenant Stephen Williams, known as LT from the Moody Police Department. LT was one of the first team members recruited to help with the mission of humanizing the badge. LT was recently murdered in the line of duty while responding to a call for service on June 2nd, 2020. LT was loved by all that knew him and he will be terribly missed.
One of the most important projects of Humanizing the Badge is a spinoff organization they created with the name of Call for Backup, which focuses on giving first responders, including police officers, the tools to develop skills that can make them more resistant to stress and more resilient when major stressful events occur. Most importantly, Call for Backup teaches first responders on how important it is to look out for the mental health of one another, to be the mental health backup when someone needs it, and to call for backup themselves when necessary. Suicide among first responders, not just law enforcement, but among all first responders is an epidemic that needs to be uh, addressed. We consistently lose more police officers to suicide every year than we lose in the line of duty. And so we wanted as an organization to, to not just bring awareness to that, giving some some feet to the the idea of of prevention as well like what can we do to intervene how can we prevent this from happening and so so we developed a course that that helps people understand where the stresses come from and law enforcement certainly is one of the most stressful occupations uh every year forbes magazine puts out a list of the most stressful occupations and uh, police officers always in the top five. Finally, the Humanizing the Badge team is promoting their new podcast, the Project Human Podcast. In this podcast, Chaplain Edwards interviews first responders and highlights their humanity and their experiences. You can find links to those podcasts on the Humanizing the Badge Facebook page and website. Corporal Matthew Edwards, age 31, was a hero on July 23, 2010. It wasn't the first time he had done heroic acts. It's just the time he had to make the ultimate sacrifice for his community. His family also took part in that sacrifice. Certainly, Corporal Edwards paid with his life, but his wife Shannon and their children still to this day have to bear the emptiness that comes from his physical touch being gone from their lives. Without question, Corporal Edwards missed out loving and caring for his wife and watching his young son and daughter grow up, and that is such a tremendous price to pay. But his children also missed out on having their father watching over them, caring for them, comforting them, and guiding them. His son had to miss out on all those late nights playing video games with dad. His daughter had to miss out on dad's strong arms wrapped around her and cuddling up with her. The missed birthday parties, missed holidays, missed vacations, the first dates, first kisses, the driver's licenses, the first jobs, the heartbreaks and the successes. So many first and so many other times already missed. Corporal Edwards' parents, Chaplain Edwards and Sue, had to bury their own child and they had to experience the heartache that can at times be tolerable but never leaves permanently. Corporal Edwards' brother, Mike, had to experience what it was like to lose a brother and a brother officer. Mike and his wife and kids had to miss out on Uncle Matt's dry sense of humor at all their family gatherings. Their church family missed his kind spirit at their services and playing softball with them at their church league. His brothers and sisters on the Taylor Police Department missed his leadership and friendship. The thin blue line is strong there, but they knew they would be even stronger with Matt being a part of them.
The story of the murder of Corporal Matthew Edwards is indeed tragic. Much more importantly, it is a story of how love and forgiveness can and always will overcome hate. Thanks for listening. You can help us fight crime by joining the True Crime Takedown team through Patreon. You can join the Takedown team by going to truecrimetakedown.com slash team. Our Patreon Takedown team members get exclusive episodes, audio extras, bonus content, and more. Pictures and sources for this podcast episode can be found on our website. There, you can also get links on how to support Humanizing the Badge, Call for Backup, and the Project Human podcast, including how to purchase a Humanizing the Badge t-shirt where 100% of the profits go to that organization. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at True Crime Takedown. We'll be back with a new episode soon. True Crime Takedown is a production of Crime Fighters Media.